let's get back into this message series. All right, we have been looking at this message series called Blessed, and Jesus uh, has been teaching the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, but it begins with the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, I've talked about that the, the, what we really need to do is we need to not look at them one by one, even though I understand that I'm preaching them one by one. But every time I'm preaching them one by one, I'm trying to remind us all that these are part of a group of teachings, and they go together, and they fit together, and when you look at it in the context, it has a meaning for us, and it helps us in this, and so in the Beatitudes, what we also need to understand is that what Jesus is doing is he's giving us a mirror, not a map, okay? Now, what do I mean? That Jesus is giving us a mirror, not a map. Well, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as someone who may be listening to this message and you would say, well, I've already made that decision. I trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. Well, then what's happening here is Jesus is sharing the change that should have already been happening in your heart. And then today we kind of reach a point where we begin to see some of the outward expressions that should be growing from the heart of a follower of Jesus Christ that you should be able to look at and say there is evidence of this growing in my life now every time somebody says something like that when i was growing up and preaching i'm always like well is that is that pastor trying to tell me i'm not saved if i don't have these type of things look let me just tell you this you have to determine whether you're a follower of jesus christ the bible is clear that jesus is the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father except by him we sang the song today that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but would have everlasting life. And now what I've told people a lot is this, that the, the longer God has me on this earth and he has me working at a church, I actually believe that there are many people who have made a decision to say, I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life, but that's where it has stopped. They have not carried on to continue to follow him, to read his word, to put it into their life, and to begin to see the change that happens in actually living life the way that God wants us to live. And so therefore, when you look at their life, there's not really a whole lot of evidence of their following Christ. So what Jesus is giving us here is a mirror. These things demonstrate the character of the follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I mention that because, like I said, this week we change in the Beatitudes and we begin to see some of the fruit that happens in following Christ. It's not, how do I become saved? Oh, I do these things. No, it is, now that I am saved, are these things growing in my life? So let's look at that. I'm going to start at the beginning of it again. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs, the poor in spirit, those who realize that there is not enough inside of them to bridge the gap that sin has created between, the, between them and God. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What are they mourning about? They're mourning about their bankrupt state. They are separated from God. They are not able to come to him on their own, and so therefore it breaks their hearts. Verse 5, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Humble meaning what? They realize, okay, I can't do this on my own, so I humble myself to follow the one who can. 
Jesus Christ. And in doing that, I get everything. And then last week we looked at verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And the big question that I asked last week is this. Have we as Christ's followers confused at times the pursuit of blessing with the pursuit of righteousness? Are we only fair-weather followers of Jesus Christ when God's goal in our life is to make us righteous, not necessarily make us blessed? Well, Pastor, why did you call the sermon series blessed then? Because they all begin with blessed. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And what he's saying is that when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. And that is the blessing when we realize that God alone is enough for us and we hunger and thirst for his things. The material possessions and the blessings and the comforts of this life that we sometimes confuse as the blessings begin to fade away and we realize the biggest blessing we have is the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ because that will guide us through the highs and the lows of this life. And then we come to today. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And so the bottom line of what this is saying today is this. If I am filled with righteousness, then I will overflow with mercy. Some people's righteousness overflows with self-righteousness, and that's not godly righteousness. That's just self-righteousness. That's arrogance. Um, that, that's not a good thing. But if we're truly filled with the Spirit of God and we have been made right with Him and I am filled, I hunger and thirst for righteousness and I'm filled with righteousness, then what begins to overflow in my life is mercy. Because I begin to look at people and realize, you know what? The journey that I've been on is the journey that they're on. They just haven't realized that Jesus Christ is what they need yet. And so I no longer look at them with frustration. I no longer look at them with anger. I look at them with mercy. And I begin to ask the question, what can I do about this? Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes these words starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bearing with one another i'm just gonna read that one again bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another just as the lord has forgiven you so you are also to forgive Think about that. Just as the Lord has forgiven me, that's how I'm supposed to show forgiveness to others. That's mercy in a nutshell. I take the things that God has done for me, and I realize that because God has done these things for me, I should return this in kind to those that I come in contact with. Now, this concept is revolutionary. And it was just as revolutionary to the ears that heard it there as our ears hear it today. Why is that? Why, Pastor, do you say it's revolutionary? Because most of us believe that if we want change to happen, 
either in our own life or in our world around us, that we've got to do something. We've got to grab the bull by the horns. I have to take a stand against these things. I've got to stand up and say something about that. And I've got to correct these people over here who are wrong. And I've got to get this thing done. And we kind of get this self-righteousness going in us. And we get this determination that says, that's how I'm going to make change. And Jesus says, you want to make change, show mercy. You show the same mercy that was shown to you to those around you and you will begin to see change and like i said that's not new today if you if you begin to understand the audience that jesus was talking to at this time they were an oppressed people the jews were hurting their nation was in shambles and they were looking for the messiah to come and do something about it and they didn't want the messiah to show up and just hug everybody they wanted the Messiah to show up and just start whooping on people and putting things back in the place that they should be, okay? The received wisdom of the day among the Jewish people was that those who were most likely, this was how they would talk to it, those who were most likely to make it big when the Messiah comes back were those who were the hard-nosed conservatives, those who when the tide finally turned against that oppressive government that they're going to wreak vengeance on their nation's enemy and they're going to be rewarded by the messiah for showing no mercy to those who had opposed him does that sound familiar i mean that's what's happening and i don't care what side you're on you're both acting like that i'm just going to say it that way and and, and we live in this way that we're convinced that I'm so right and they're so wrong and I, I can't even come together, I can't compromise, I can't meet, I can't show mercy. I just, I just have to prove that I am right and there's no mercy. But what Jesus said here was revolutionary then and it's revolutionary now. What did Jesus mean by showing this type of mercy? Well, if you were to flip back, and we're going to look at this verse later, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, pre-preach it right now. If you look back before the Sermon on the Mount, what, what was happening right before Jesus saw the crowds and began to preach the Sermon on the Mount is that he was at work serving and healing and serving and healing and going into places and serving and healing and going to another place and serving and healing. And I think this is so important because we need to realize, especially for those of us who profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we really need to understand something. I need to realize that my actions are what give me an opportunity to actually speak into somebody's life. Words are meaningless if I haven't preceded them with actions of mercy and kindness and love. It's not the other way around. We first show mercy, and then we get sometimes the opportunity to speak the truth. So let me give us a motto for Christ followers, all right? I think it will be especially helpful in the current climate of our nation and even our state and our city and everything else, all right? You just need to let this sink in your head and just mumble it to yourself all week long. You ready? Serve first, talk later. Serve first, talk later. It's not going to be on the screen. You're all looking. I'll spell it. S-E-R-V-E. Serve first, talk later. It's exactly what Jesus did. Serve first, 
talk later. Because godly mercy will lead me to take action, not just speak words. Godly mercy will lead me to want to do something for someone or do something about a situation, not just to speak. John, follower of Christ, writes these words in 1 John 3.18, Little children, let us not love in word or in speech, but in action and in truth. So mercy is a verb, not a feeling. Mercy is something that we do. In James chapter 2, verse 14, he begins and says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such a faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. Now here's where the rubber meets the road on godly, biblical mercy. It's not just a feeling of compassion towards someone. It's not just when I'm moved by a situation, do I feel like I need to step in. And it's not just caring for physical needs. This is the difference between godly, biblical mercy and the mercy that sometimes we see in our culture because it's not a, mercy's not just nowhere in our culture. It's there where people are caring for needs and taking care of things. But what's the difference between the mercy that God is talking about here and the mercy that we see around us if it's not just taking care of these physical needs and, 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 and by different things? Hear this, genuine mercy is both spiritual and physical. Genuine mercy has a spiritual element to it that we are concerned and moved in compassion and moved by mercy for the spiritual well-being of others, not just their physical needs. The physical needs simply become an open door for us to demonstrate that God loves the world and he loves them. And as we take care of the physical needs, then doors begin to open for us to take care of physical needs as well. The goal of a Christ follower should be to lead people to true healing. And many, if not most of the time, that can begin with a dealing with a physical need. But the physical need is not just the end. It's the beginning. Dealing with it well, dealing with the needs of others, earns you the right to then be able to deal with the source of the issue. Jesus himself exemplified this. And if anybody had the right to skip the physical and just, just get right to the spiritual, it would have been the Son of God. But he didn't do that. He showed mercy to others by healing them, by feeding them, by caring for them. And then he stood and saw the crowd and spoke these words. Let me tell you what I was talking about. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 23. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. That's right before Sermon on the Mount. He went on tour. He went on a mercy tour. Taking this on tour. I'm going to go on out here. I'm going to heal people. 
I'm going to heal sickness. I'm going to show them. I'm going to first show them what this is like before I start talking about it. In Luke chapter 9, verse 6, it says, when Jesus gathered these people together, he gathered a group of 70 people to get ready to send out and go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at what it says, Luke 9, 6. So they went out and traveled from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing everywhere. Spiritual and physical together the whole time. Now, I'm also going to talk to some of us as followers of Christ who have never quite gotten comfortable with, with making that step of going, no, I'm good feeding people. And every time that we can go to Center of Hope and serve those meals, I'm in. I'm good. You know, and I'm good giving to missions and I'm good doing all this. And we're good at the physical part of things. But then maybe we never actually take that step toward, but I'm really concerned about their spiritual well-being. I'm really concerned about where this person is in Christ. I really want to help demonstrate God's love in that way. You can do that. You, you can take that step. Those are the things that need to be on our mind. And, and it's when Jesus had already established a very awesome ministry of compassion, serving by healing, by feeding, and by loving, now... In the Sermon on the Mount, he's offering the way to true life by speaking these words to how to follow him. And that's what we need to be able to do. And let me just go ahead and say this because it's not some complicated methodology that we need to learn. Well, what are the right words, Pastor, that I share with someone? Or what are the things that I say to someone when I'm talking to them about their spiritual well-being? Listen to me. You have a story that God has spoken into your life and into your hearts. And that's the story that God has given you to go and share with the world around you. And all of our stories are very similar, that we were poor in spirit, and then we were in mourning over our broken state, and then we turned to God, and we found life in Him, and now I hunger and thirst to follow Him, and in doing that I find life. And because I'm finding life in Christ, now I'm out here sharing this love and this mercy with you. But you just get to fill the blanks in with how God has done that pretty specifically in your life. And you begin to share that with people. And, and listen, whether they listen to it or they don't listen to it, as a follower of Jesus Christ, mercy does not stop with meeting physical needs. We need to pray that God will use the things that we're doing to open a door for us to deal with spiritual needs as well. That's the difference between the mercy that comes from a follower of Christ and the mercy that can just come from a compassionate organization that happens every time there's a disaster that comes around. And I know some of you may say, but pastor, it's hard to do because people don't want to listen to me or hear what I have to say. Okay, that, that's fine. But we also need to understand some things that are happening in, in our culture. You know, I, I just always get this picture of a microwave when I think about our culture. Because all of us want immediate results. There's not a person in this room that doesn't want immediate results. It's like, ooh, I missed a meal. Why am I still fat? Okay? I mean, it's like, why, did, why didn't this change? You know? I went running yesterday. Why can't I breathe tomorrow? I mean, it's all these things. We want to see these immediate results. But hear me on this. Please hear me on this. God's got time. God's got time. You feel this pressure of time that I promise you our Lord and Savior never feels. He just invites you to be obedient. And all of us want these immediate results, but he calls you to hunger and thirst for righteousness and be filled. And then be faithful in him. And you may 
demonstrate mercy and compassion in someone's life for years and years and years and years and years and never see anything and yet God is going you just keep doing that you just keep doing you come to me and get filled and you pour it out on them and you come to me and get filled and you pour it out on them and you come to me and get filled and you pour it out on them and what you find is you will find life in doing that and, and you stay with it and you see it through you have to do things more than one time to get results it has to keep happening but here's the deal what's the goal in showing mercy you know why we get frustrated and impatient because we're wanting to see results but you know why we're not seeing results is because God gave us a mirror not a map we think I'm being merciful to this person and I don't see any change happening in their life well perhaps the change is supposed to be happening in your heart not their life you ever think about it that way Perhaps the reason that God is calling us to be merciful is because he needs to change you, not change them. And so when we have a, a skewed look at mercy and we think, I'm out here being merciful to everybody and they don't even like me, they don't care about me and they don't this, I'm just done with mercy. What does that reflect about your heart? And who's the one then that is in need of change? Stay with it and see it through. So how do I stay strong? In this listen my motivation to show mercy I looked at the clock I don't even care I'm just going so if y'all need to leave you can go ahead my motivation to show mercy is that God has shown mercy to me that's my motivation to show mercy that's it period it's the only motivation we need God's shown mercy to me and that's why I'm showing mercy God dealt in my life <laughs> with years of foolishness and sin and I'd love to stand in front of you as pastor and go, and that was all before I was a Christ follower. No, no. That was why we were still figuring things out. After I had made the decision to go, God, I want to follow you, we're still dealing with these things. And he continues to show me mercy in my times of failure. And so what he asks of me is that I treat others with the same mercy that he's treating me with. That's it. Anytime I want to get impatient with someone else, all God has to do is just, let's go back to the video, Lindell. Hey, and let's just point out this time. It's like, okay, God, we're good. I'm good. We don't need to see this anymore. He's like, this is, this is where we're going. Lamentations 3, 22 through 24, we read it earlier. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we don't perish. For his mercies never end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him Ephesians 2 starting in verse 3 we too we too is this on the screen we're just gonna read this together all right we too that's us we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. That's all of us. And the more that we realize that God has shown us that mercy, then we show that mercy to others around us. And so here's what we need to realize, too, because a lot of us love to keep score. Mercy prefers to deal with the needy 
in terms of what's needed rather than in terms of what's deserved. Just let that sink in. Mercy deals with people in the terms of what's needed rather than in terms of what's deserved. How many times have you caught yourself and don't raise your hand or say it out loud of looking at someone else and going, well, that's what they get. But mercy deals with people in terms of what's needed and, what, and not what's deserved. When you look at the crowds, and remember Jesus began this whole Sermon on the Mount by looking at the crowds, and Jesus saw every single person in the crowd. Ask yourself, what do they need that I can give? Don't ask what they deserve. Ask what they need. And remember that what you deserved was not what you got either. You got what you needed. And then go love them. And so some of us may go, gosh, Pastor, I try it, and then it doesn't work. And I try, and it doesn't work. And remember, you just keep trying. And here's my bonus point for you today. All right, I got a bonus point for you. Mercy is bad at math. And there's a reason I say this. Mercy is bad at math because it doesn't keep score. It doesn't say, I've tried this 10 times. God goes, well, how about 20? Okay, I've tried it 20 times. All right, how about 30? How about 30? Okay. Because look at what he said to Peter. Peter approached Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times? And look, Peter at that point in time so proud of himself. God, I can forgive them seven times. And Jesus says, how about 70 times seven? And Peter goes, I'm just going to go right back over here, God. Thank you very much. Because that's not what he was expecting. I tell you, as many, as, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. What's God trying to say to us is that mercy has no end. God's mercy to us has no end. And the impossible statement for the day is our mercy to others shouldn't either. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment?